Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 95, released on November 28th, 2012. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me as always is my good friend Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hi-ho, everybody. What's happening? Not too much. What's what's happening with you? Getting colder over there, is it? It is. Uh, We're supposed to... uh possibly have a couple of inches of snow for tomorrow morning so uh wow that's exciting cool yeah we're uh we're basking in the uh early heat of uh, of summer so um you got a spare room over there i'll just come on over well yeah it's not air conditioned but um you're you're, you're welcome to i don't know if you got a, a a jet ski or something you want to start making the trip across the water yeah i'll just uh get my skido out and uh i'll just fly on over <laughs> very good we'll just get your private jet well, yeah, I have that, but I, I, I keep that parked. I like to, uh, you know, I don't want to get it scratched up. Yeah, no, and uh, it's uh, it's probably fairly expensive with all the, well, yeah. uh, you know. And the, the fuel, fuel you know, yeah. it's very uh, it's very expensive, and who wants to spend the money, you know? Not only that, I mean, you're very conscious about your carbon footprint, I've, I've heard. Well, of course. I mean, I'm trying to keep the, uh, you know, the, the uh, global gases down, and, uh, you know, uh, we've already got this whole global warming thing, so... I don't need to contribute to that. Well, talking about hot hot air, I mean, uh, that's you and I just in a nutshell. Well, well, you know, <laughs> people have said that, but I didn't believe them until now. <laughs> well, let's get into our discussion topics. And as always, we like to start with movie news. And uh, there was an official announcement. Zack Snyder pretty much confirmed it, that uh, the Man of Steel theatrical trailer, the full trailer, will be released with The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, in uh, December, mid-December, I think it was the 14th. It, uh, yeah, the released. 14th. I think everybody's probably heard about this one by now, you yeah. know, where this isn't breaking news, yeah. but uh, it is very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and um, you know, a lot of people are saying that, uh, obviously, the teaser trailer didn't do too much to really uh, get them excited, but uh, it was, as we've discussed many times, an announcement piece and nothing more. But having seen some of these blurry... Uh, Comic-Con footage that was uh, shown. Uh, how much of that do you expect to see in the theatrical trailer? Well, I'm personally hoping that it's not exactly mm-hmm. shot for shot, the stuff that we've kind of sneaked a peek at from uh, Comic-Con, but uh, I wouldn't mind because we haven't seen it in clear uh, vision and we didn't really have... I mean, there was sound, but I I really wouldn't call it sound. I mean, mm. it was uh, very, very muffled. It was hard to hear what people were saying. It was hard to understand what was going on. But there were so many cool shots. It just looked so epic that I really wouldn't mind that being the trailer. But uh, I also would like to see a few new things. So hopefully it's a mixture. But, uh, you know, when I watched that footage, I was teary. I was excited. My uh my pulse was racing. It did, for me, what I think people were looking for the original uh, teaser to do, uh, which, again, as you said, we already covered, was really just to let other people know that there was a movie coming, people who didn't know already. And to, to be able to see this full trailer, I'm very excited. I remember when uh, when uh, the teaser was going to be released with The Dark Knight Rises and me not being a fan, I was like, well, maybe I could just go in watch the trailer and leave but with the hobbit <laughs> i don't have that problem because i i that's one of my uh that's one of my most look forward to movies of the holiday season so i'm gonna be there with my hairy feet strapped on and uh <laughs> and uh i'm gonna try to try to get excited and take my glowing sword with me and and wait for the trailer and then watch the movie that follows so 
it's kind of a new experience for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to The Hobbit as well. It's one of the uh, the first uh, novels that I read as a as a teenager that was not forced upon me by teachers or what have you. It was one of those books that really got me into uh, reading and and to you know love reading. And um, as far as the Man of Steel trailer is concerned, uh, you know whether it's comparable to what we saw at Comic Con. The other element that I'm looking forward to is seeing whether or not we have some uh, music from from Hans Zimmer in regards to what the the theme of the film will be. That's a good point, since we haven't really heard any of that yet. And uh, I uh, my understanding is in a lot of cases the composing gets done at the very end because mm-hmm. uh, uh, oftentimes the composer likes to watch scene by scene, likes to watch different characters and likes to kind of score as he watches to get the idea and the feel and and really get a musical piece that fits what we're watching on screen. Yeah. And uh, so we haven't gotten to hear any of that and, and it would be nice to hear uh, some. Now, it's not unusual as people have been yelling and screaming about the Lord of the Rings music being used uh, before. It's not unusual that trailers use music from other films. It happens all the time. So when the music isn't completed, they'll oftentimes use something very dramatic, very exciting that sounds appropriate, but isn't the music that's going to be in the film. Hopefully, Mm. maybe we're beyond that point now and we have some sort of a theme that can be used. But uh, if not, uh, again, that'll be something else to look forward to down the road. I did want to mention, I don't know if you've heard anything but uh, The Hobbit is supposed to screen uh, eight minutes of the new Star Trek film that's yes. coming in the summer as well, but only on IMAX. Now, my um, my uh, concern is, since I want to see that footage as well, if I go to see this on IMAX, do we also get previews and will the Man of Steel trailer uh, be featured on the IMAX screens as well, because I know with another with additional eight minutes of movie footage from another movie being shown in front of a movie already, would they then cut off regular previews and not have us see what we want to see from Man of Steel? That's a very good question, and it was one of the things I was going to touch on uh, was to see we don't know it at this point in time, as we didn't know with the teaser trailer, just exactly which cinemas will be showing the Man of Steel trailer. Um, you make you raise a good point with that extra footage uh, that will be shown, uh, whether or not any trailers for other films will be shown because of the fact that they'll be showing so much footage from that movie uh, in front of The Hobbit. Um, it, we don't have any details at this point in time in regards to whether or not it will be shown at, you know, like, say, midnight screenings of The Hobbit, similar to with The Dark Knight Rises. There were, you know, it wasn't going to show at a particular screening because of the fact that it needed to be released worldwide at the same time uh, across different countries. We don't know at this point in time exactly which screenings of The Hobbit the Man of Steel trailer will be screened in front of, but as the uh, December 14th deadline gets closer, hopefully we'll have more information and we'll be able to post that for you on the Superman homepage website. Very good. I'm excited. Yes, so we're all excited. Now... uh, there are further comments from Zack Snyder, who's obviously the director of Man of Steel. Uh, in regards to Man of Steel, he came up with uh, some comments that interested people regarding the red trunks or the red briefs. And he pretty much came out saying that he fought for them. He tried. He went through thousands of different design uh, uh, drawings, I guess, or sketches to see which would best fit this film. And... Uh, people arguing against the use of the red trunks and said it was about time that they were removed. And uh, he was initially hoping to include them in his design of the costume, but uh, 
obviously decided that, uh, yes, it was probably best off to uh, go with this new look that uh, they finally settled on. Well, as a functional concept, I, I, I really have never seen the point. I understand people are upset about the traditional look being taken away, but I'm kind of over it myself. Uh, it did look a little odd at first in the new 52 and, and on these shots that we were seeing uh, of Henry Cavill. We weren't even sure because that area was in shadow. Who knows? Did they, did they really do that on purpose in order to keep the mystery going or because they didn't want to get everybody upset right away? But uh, the fact that they're not there and the fact that he's kind of saying that uh, he would have uh, kept them there if it if it worked functionally with what they were going for and the tone and the set of the movie and uh, the the idea that he was trying shows to me that he at least has a, a lot of respect for the character and for the fans who who he is, uh, knows that what they kind of want to see and, and knows that many people are probably a little upset that it didn't happen. And uh, the, him saying that, although a lot of those people probably aren't going to read that and probably aren't going to hear that, uh, seems to be uh, kind of a notice to those people that look, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to crap all over something you guys have loved. I tried it, and we, you know, we went through lots of ideas, and we were going to use it, and we just decided ultimately that it, it wouldn't work in this day and age, and 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 we're going with what we're going with. Yeah, no, that's a fair point too, and uh, I don't think it's a cop out on his behalf saying that. I wanted it, but everybody else forced me into something else. He's saying that, yeah, initially we would have liked it, and uh, we tried to to include it, and uh, and and ultimately, as he said, what they decided was best tonally for this film was to come up with the costume that they've settled with, and uh, you know that's that's fair enough too, and I'm I'm happy with that decision, and it's time we move all move forward. Agreed. Now, one of the other comments he made was in regards to hinting at that this could possibly, Man of Steel, could possibly be a precursor to Justice League, that there could be some elements in there that will hint towards the you know other characters. Uh, there may be a cameo, maybe post-credits uh, at the end, that there might be a scene, you know, similar to what they've done with some of the Marvel movies in, in you know, creating a joint universe for the DC uh, characters. Now, where it will be, what it will be, and whether it will be there at all, of course, is speculation yeah. and, and rumor is running rampant. But what uh, Snyder did say was that, oh, oh, well, anything is possible, but I can't say anything because that would be a spoiler and I'm not allowed to do that. So uh, that seems to indicate that there might be something or that mm. he's teasing us that there could be. And mm -hmm. maybe there is. I mean, I personally love what Marvel has done. I've said it many, many times. I think that they put a lot of time, effort, and energy into making those movies one cohesive universe. And they've spent a lot of time and a lot of years uh, putting all that together, giving us uh, end credit scenes and things of that nature. DC has not really done that ever. There's never really been a uh, post-credit uh, sequence or a scene in the middle of the credits. Or I guess they did it in Green Lantern for the first time. I guess uh, they, they did the little... Uh, a little shot. I suppose that happened at the end of the credits or in the middle of the credits. So that was an attempt, I guess, uh, if that sequel is ever going to happen or was ever going to be ha to happen. That looked like to, uh, a little bit of a preview as to what was going to come in Green Lantern 2. Mm. But uh, who knows what's going to happen with that franchise now. And, and uh, I personally would like to see a cohesive universe like Marvel if, if that's what they're going to go for. And I'd like to see some exciting post-credit scenes uh, in, in DC movies uh, from here on out. If, if, if this movie is successful that is i think that 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 template would be a good thing to uh kind of follow yeah definitely so we'll wait and see whether or not there is any kind of hints in man of steel to a combined dc universe uh across the movies 
and um, we'll be sitting till the very end of the credits just in case. It's usually a good indication whether the lights come on in the cinema when the credits, credits start to roll or whether they stay off as to whether or not you should remain in your seat. I think we always hear about it before we go in anyway. True. It's kind of like, you know, back like the in the first, day. The I used to go to the movies and I used to hope and wish and, you know, th- that I'd see something exciting. And back then you, you didn't know it was coming. No. So you'd be in a movie and you'd see, you know, they're making this movie. Wow, that's great. You know, now we kind of know <laughs> everything that's coming and yeah. we know what's going to be in a trailer. We know when it's to, you know, when the trailer is going to be. And I used to go out hoping that a movie I saw would have a trailer for a movie that I wanted to see later um, <laughs> and have no idea. And now we know where we need to go and what we need to do. And and as we were talking about the um, eight minutes of Star Trek footage, we'll know most likely before it comes out whether or not we should go to this theater or that theater or what area of the country we should be in if we want to see what we want to see. And it's just the age of information that we're in. So, so many things get out that, that were secretive before. But, uh, you know, hopefully, if you go early enough, not everything will be spoiled for you. Yeah. Now, uh, in, with, as far as spoilers and, and kind of unlocking some information, uh, Warner Brothers, to promote The Dark Knight Rises being released on Blu-ray, hey, came up with this countdown um, panel that you could include on your websites, your blogs, you could uh, promote on Twitter and Facebook and to do by doing that you would be sharing, uh, by sharing the countdown you would unlock exclusive rewards for the upcoming Man of Steel film. Uh, it was a bit of a fiasco at, at first, uh, the, uh, the little uh, percentage bar was going steadily along for, you know, for the first day it was, you know, reached 50 plus uh, 50% plus and then uh, within an hour or two, suddenly it was back to 27% and people were going, hey, what the hell's going on? They probably wanted it to take longer than it seemed like <laughs> it was going to, um, which is surprising because, uh, as we all know, The Dark Knight Rises uh, was the biggest thing since sliced bread, you know, that the the Nolan trilogy and, and it was super popular and made super amounts of money and you would think going in that you would know to keep that percentage long and make make it have to be shared by a lot of people because uh, in this day of social media where people are sharing the things that they love, you you should be able to realize that a movie like that is going to get a lot of attention and, and maybe fill up a lot quicker than you would have expected it to. Yeah, well, as we speak, as we record this uh, at the end of November, uh, it was currently around 72% uh, had been unlocked. Uh, we don't know what the, un, the the material will be. People are speculating that perhaps it is the trailer and that uh, we'll get to see it online before with The Hobbit. Other people are saying maybe it's a new picture, a new image, a new photo still from the film. We don't know at this point in time. Uh, to their credit, Warner Brothers realised that there was a problem with the countdown and, and whether or not it was something they had to adjust or whether it was becoming, uh, you know, getting to, to 100% too quickly. And they needed to uh, readjust the numbers that uh, were in, inbuilt in the program uh, for amount, the amount of people that shared it to, you know, to increase exponentially. I don't know. But uh, as I said, it's in the 70s as, as we record this. And who knows when it will reach 100%. But it's been a number of days now, nearly a week, I think, uh, since it was November 20th that we actually announced it on the website. And so it's been a week more or more. And... Uh, uh, it hasn't reached 100% as of this recording. When does The Dark Knight Rises release? 
Good uh, question. December 4th. So December 4th, my guess would be that they want this countdown to go until release day or, or you know, because um, less people will be sharing it or interested or excited once it hits because people already have it. So probably they realized that they had, uh, you know, made it too quick and that it wasn't going to be there, you know, because it's free advertising nowadays mm. on so, all these social media sites. So the more people share that, the more free commercials they get for their DVD and uh, even though everyone is excited about the Dark Knight movie coming to Blu-ray and DVD, uh, the idea that a lot of regular people running around and going about their everyday lives don't necessarily necessarily know the moment a movie is going to drop on DVD. So um, the fact that we're all on all these social media sites all the time, all the all day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, getting that free message out there to let people know when they're going about their busy days that it's going to be there. And also as a Christmas present, I'm, I'm very sure that uh, hmm. December 4th is a perfect time and this advertising is perfect for them during this uh, upcoming season that uh, they're going to sell a lot of gifts uh, of the Dark Knight Rises and, and uh, this is going to be a good way for them to advertise and get that out there. Yeah, well I don't know if there will be any uh, material for Man of Steel on the Blu-ray uh, pack. Um, I'm looking at Amazon's listing for it now and I don't see much detail about what extras and specials and bonus material are in the pack but um, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be the trailer if the trailer is being released with The Hobbit on December 14th onwards, if this comes out December 4th. So uh, we'll wait and see just what that countdown reveals once it reaches 100%. Continue sharing it on your Facebook, your Twitter, your blogs, your websites, and uh, let's get this countdown uh, to 100% uh, sooner rather than later, if possible. Absolutely. Maybe it'll be some of the music we were talking about before. Yeah, could be, could be. Could but, be anything. Uh, could be anything, as you say. So the only other real uh, news for Man of Steel was the revelation by uh, an actor who actually has appeared on Smallville in two different episodes. His name's Tamo Pennicut. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and uh, he has revealed via his Twitter account that... Tom uh, Hat, if you say it backwards. <laughs> oh, sorry. Tom Hat. Tom Hat. Very good. Uh, he revealed via his Twitter account, someone asked him... Uh, because they saw his name listed in IMDb as being part of Man of Steel, uh, as, as a character named Henry Ackardson, weird, weird surname there. Uh, he said, I honestly can't confirm or deny anything about the project or my role in it other than I am in it. So uh, he's confirmed that he is in Man of Steel. And whether his name is Henry Ackardson as it's listed in IMDb or not is uh, anyone's guess, but a character by the name of or similar to Ackerson, Henry Ackerson, without the D in there, uh, was the alter ego of Metallo in the animated movie Justice League Doom. Now, we don't know whether Pennicott's character will be similar at, uh, to this character or whether that's his character's name at all. We don't know what, what role he really plays, but he has confirmed that he is in the movie. As we've talked about, and, and again with the social media and the age of the internet and the web and how much information is available to people so soon and 
you know, this is another case of uh, possibly rumors running rampant and, and people in charge of these sites putting information that they're not maybe 100 percent sure of or, yeah. you know, guessing or hearing one thing and then putting in another. And I think if, if I'm not mistaken, we saw the name Ackerson in there uh, months ago and uh, people were speculating at that time if this was the, the, the Ackerson that was Metallo or if this was something else. And now, of course, with this uh, Mr. Pennicott fellow uh, at least confirming that he's in the film, um, it seems as though it's quite possible that uh, the IMDb listing is correct, at least in that that's his character's name. But uh, again, uh, being that it could be Metallo or not be Metallo, or why would it be based on one version of Metallo from one animated project where his name was different than it's been in almost any other incarnation yeah. uh, is also a strange thing. So who knows exactly what that's going to be. I mean, I personally, if it was going to be Metallo, would prefer that it was Corbin. But again, this could be another uh, kind of... Um, you know, blue herring or red herring or whatever the hell it is, uh, uh, orange herring, polka dotted spotted herring <laughs> uh, uh, in, in that they don't really want us to know, but they kind of want to wink at us to let us know it's a possibility. Yeah, um, bit of a if smoke they put, screen. If they listed right off the bat that it was John Corbin, it might be more evident. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, anything is possible. So another bit of exciting news. And, uh, you know, uh, someone mentioned um, if it was Metallo, could this have something to do with uh, the uh, the large sticked um, motion capture suit that we saw walking around next to the Kryptonians in some of the battle footage that has been leaked? Yeah, well, we we don't know at this point in time. It's something that remains to be seen, but that's just another name to add to the cast listing, and we'll wait and see exactly what his role is when we uh, get into the cinemas in June next year. But uh, beyond that, uh, the only other real movie news... Uh, was a bit of a sad news that uh, Larry Hagman, who uh, is probably more famous for his role as um, uh, in in Dallas as uh, as Jr., or probably even more famous for his role as um, as Major Nelson in the, was it Bewitched? No, not Bewitched. Uh, uh, I, dream I dream of, of Genie. Genie. I always get those two mixed up. Uh, but uh, yeah. Da, 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 he passed da, da, away aged 81 uh, on November 23rd uh, due to uh, complications with his recent battle with cancer. But for men, for Superman fans, he was obviously uh, well known as the army major who ensured that he was the one responsible for giving uh, Miss Testmarker mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation when uh, in Lex Luthor's plan to block the missiles, uh, she you know, was laying there across the road um, in what appeared to be a car crash and uh, stalled the, the truck for Otis to go in and mess up the, uh, <laughs> the numbers in the, in the uh, trajectory of the, uh, of the missile. And what a horrible job that must have been for Mr. Hagman to have to do that to, you know, the actress who played Miss Tessmacher, who uh, at least at that point in time was quite attractive. Yes, at, uh, and by all accounts, he was only supposed to be there for a couple of days because, uh, you know, he's only got a very brief appearance in the film. But uh, the weather in Calgary, where they were filming this location, uh, was uh, very uh, unpredictable and uh, ended up being uh, nearly a month that he was there just for that small appearance in the film. Yeah, that was a long time to be there. I guess uh, I guess he was it was he was so integral to the plot that it just. <laughs> It had to be him, and he had to be there. And You know, I found this interesting because I didn't actually hear about uh, 
Larry Hagman dying until I uh, started researching uh, stuff for our show here. Um, so this is the first time I was hearing of it, and I, I thought I was surprised because um, my understanding is he was a part of the new Dallas uh, yeah. show that's actually been airing recently, yes. uh, the the brand new reboot or whatever. He was actually on there, and his son was the main, I guess, protagonist, and and he was on there arguing with him or whatever. So uh, I get it kind of surprising that uh, I knew he was an older uh, gentleman, but uh, being that he was. Working on a television show, it seemed that uh, he must have uh, been in pretty decent health. But uh, I guess uh, what you, what what appears is not always the case. That's true. And uh, he was aged 81. And uh, our condolences go out to his his family and friends uh, at his passing. Absolutely. All right. Well, we don't really have any TV news, but um, in kind of a segue into TV and comics, uh, Young Justice the comic book that ties into the animated series, which will not return until January uh, next year on Cartoon Network. The Young Justice comic book will be ending with issue number 25. And you made some comments about this on a recent Great Scott video uh, for the Speeding Bulletin. And uh, it's kind of disappointing. I'm, I was really enjoying the Young Justice comic book. I don't know if you were actually reading the monthly book or not, but uh, it was uh, quite, uh, quite good and quite well written. Yeah, I was uh, reading it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a few, uh, I'm a few issues back at the moment, but uh, I did. I agree with you. I think it was a great uh, little, uh, little addition to the, the, the mythology of that television show, and, and at least that part of the DC universe that we're in that seems to be separate from the one that's the main uh, new 52 right now. Um, but, uh, but uh, continuing to see the adventures of those characters in print form. Uh, more extra stories added uh, is, is only a good thing, in my opinion, because the show is so great. Uh, and as I said on uh, on, on the Great Scott segment, uh, I don't really know what this means, but it, it certainly doesn't seem like it could be anything positive, uh, and uh, could you know could mean um, any number of things uh, as far as with the show being on hiatus and when it comes back, how long will it be back? Uh, is this some sort of precursor to? Um, uh, something uh, more negative happening with the Young Justice show. Who, who knows? Because um, we've all kind of made it clear that uh, something weird happened, and and, and it was pulled for uh, some odd reason that that did not necessarily have anything to do with it being Cartoon Network's anniversary, and uh, and they were doing something special for us. But uh, uh, who knows what exactly it means? But yes, it's uh, you know, it's it's not a happy thing. Um, but uh, you know, and and the other thing is, is it's odd. My understanding is that uh, the Young Justice comic is one of the ones that's been kind of increasing in uh, sale percentage uh, regularly each month. Yeah, the sales were not obviously as good as the New Fifty Two issues of of the other books. You know, Superman, Action Comics, and what have you. It was well down there in the hundreds, but uh, it uh, it seemed to be you know doing well and increasing bit by bit and making its way up the sales charts slowly but surely. But, uh, you know, the reviews have always been great on, on the Superman homepage. Adam DeChannel is a big fan of Weissman's writing, and uh, it's just a shame that the book is ending. Uh, it may or may not have anything to do with the fact that the series was pushed back till January. I mean, how many stories can they tell without spoiling any material that may or may not be you know, in relation to the animated series that will be showing on TV. If uh, there's nothing until January, I don't know. I mean, it seems only there's two two more issues or uh, between now and when 
Cartoon Network would uh, return the series to TV. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the comic is coming to an end with issue number 25. And we have just seen issue number 22, I think it was. Um, and it's a, it's a shame that uh, it's ending. But whether or not it has any connection to what's happening with the TV series, we don't know at this point in time. Um, but uh, we will uh, hopefully get more animated shows of Young Justice beyond what has already been created and what will return in January and hopefully goes on to a third season and more. Uh, not always, you know, comic books that are connected or are tie-ins to an animated series don't always have a bearing on the show. Um, Superman Adventures, which was connected to the Superman animated series, really had uh, a life of its own separate to the TV show. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens with the Young Justice animated series once it does return in January 2013. Now, moving on, did you get to read the graphic novel Superman Earth One Volume 2? I absolutely uh, did. I could not uh, wait. I, uh, as a, another recent great Scott, I, I kind of did a uh, little little review of the Earth One Volume 1, which I had waited yes. a very long time to read. Um, I had it here. It was wrapped and uh, just sitting there, and I finally got around to reading it, and uh, it just so happened that I read it right around the time that the second one was supposed to come mm -hmm. out, and... Uh, I thought this was great. Um, I'm enjoying it a lot, and uh, it looks to me like there's going to be further volumes in the future, and I can't wait for those either. Yeah, it does seem that way. They leave the ending open, and they you know, have some, uh, some loose ends there that could be picked up for a third volume, and uh, Superman Earth 1 Volume 2 has been at the top of the New York Times bestseller list for graphic uh, novels for two weeks now. Uh, second week in a row that it's been uh, remained at the number one spot, which uh, obviously means sales are, are fantastic and uh, bodes well for, for future volumes. And uh, I, I was impressed with it. I enjoyed it. There are a few elements in there that I thought were a bit out of character for Superman, the way he imagined, you know, uh, killing people or, you know, being or, you know, f finalizing a certain situation by being more aggressive. Uh, but he obviously didn't. Uh, you know, go through with those thoughts, but they were in his mind, and it was just a bit disconcerting to see, you know, those kinds of thoughts in Superman's head. I uh, I thought the same thing uh, in a way, but I also I also found it um, somewhat interesting because it it humanized him in a way yeah. that perhaps perhaps people haven't seen him humanized before, and people are always people are always kind of looking for a way to uh, see that, that, that Superman has weaknesses and frailties and, and has thoughts like that as well. And I think that it makes him all the stronger, that we know that, yes, he, uh, he would like to end a situation and has the ability to do so in a much easier, more final way, but doesn't do it. And, and even though he may fantasize about it, it's, it's something that he would never do, and, and uh, he always finds another way around it. And uh, even, even for someone, someone as uh, undeserving of any type of uh, justice as, as, as the person in question in this particular story... Mm -hmm. um, uh, Superman uh, stays within the confines of his own morality and, and of the law, and uh, even though it might be easier and he might find it to be a fantastic way to uh, deal with someone like this, uh, we we know and we're, we're glad that uh, he doesn't do that type of thing. Hmm. And no. Shane Davis on the art here, uh, if, obviously these books take a lot longer to prepare and, and don't come out every month, so... Um, I can't really fault the 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 art of of the monthly books, but uh, 
this there's such a difference in in crispness and sharpness and detail and it just looks so every page is just a wonder to look at and uh it's and i commend uh shane davis and and of course the story by straczynski it's just a it's a fantastic work it's it's really i mean i think it might be for me the volume two might be the best superman story i've read in uh in years wow high praise indeed and i was actually quite impressed with shane davis's design for the parasite i thought that was quite novel and quite interesting the way he enlarged and and grew and uh it uh it was different than anything we've really seen before yeah he looked great he was he was creepy looking he was Mm -hmm. scary uh it wasn't silly uh which sometimes parasite um, depending on the uh, version can can kind of be you know dumb or um you know kind of a a throwaway goof villain but uh, this was really a threat and it was really exciting and uh, it was really uh, interesting to see how it was dealt with and uh, every shot as I said uh, these these drawings these splash pages and and some of these where he's lifting a tank or you know it just looks just looks fantastic yeah so if you haven't read it and quite a few people from our poll recent poll hadn't uh, gone out and purchased uh, Earth One Volume 2 uh, you've got our ringing endorsement from uh, Scotty and myself so go out there and uh, and take a look. All right, well, let's get into discussing the monthly books. Uh, this month uh, are all the number 14 issues. Uh, Action Comics number 14 uh, garnered quite a bit of uh, publicity for the backup story, more than the actual uh, story by Grant Morrison itself. Uh, the backup story uh, was all about the location of Krypton and finding it in our actual universe and using uh, real-life uh, scientists within the story to uh, help pinpoint where Krypton would be located uh, in our universe. Yeah, it was neat the way that they, they did that. Uh, someone mentioned that it that it might date the story because this thing happened when it happened, and, and now if you're trying to read it in the future, you know, who will know who that guy is or who will know, you know, when this actually happened. But I thought it was a neat little uh, little nod to real-life happenings and... Uh, and and then the uh, scientist who actually made the quote unquote discovery and having him in the story and um, I, I imagine he's probably pretty excited to be in the story as well. Yeah, well, um, that's Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's obviously an astrophysicist of some note and has been in quite a few TV shows and is quite a, an animated character in himself. Obviously, a real life character. When I say animated, I mean that he's he, for a scientist, he's uh, quite a, a public figure and, and quite larger than life. And uh, he appears in this comic and, uh, you know, helps pinpoint the location of the planet Krypton. And uh, because of the time difference and the distance and and how fast light travels, Superman, with the help of telescopes and with the help of his own supervision powers, is able to see the the explosion of Krypton. Uh, And it's quite a a touching and, uh, and heartfelt moment. I thought it was a really great backup story. In fact, uh... As what often seems to happen with action, for me, uh, the backup story was really the only thing that saved this this book. Yeah. Um, I, the, the main story, I, I, it just I, I thought it was sloppy. I thought it was a mess. I thought the art was not really good. And I usually like uh, Rags' uh, art, but uh, it just seemed like it was just crazy. It was just uh, all over the place. Characters looked different in every panel. 
the body proportions seem to be off, and then you get to this backup story, and uh, the art is so good as it has been in the past uh, by uh, Chris Sprouse, and and uh, the story is simple, it's self-contained, it's small, it's short, but it really gets a point across. It hits you with an emotional heft, and it's and there's a reason to be reading it. Whereas the story and action seem to come out of nowhere. Suddenly, there's a, a village on Mars where they're trying to. Um, you know, build a, a way for humans to live there if they should ever have to. And then suddenly there's an alien presence there and they look like angels. And <laughs> it was just a mess. Yeah, it was definitely a Grant Morrison story. He really has a way of just bamboozling you with uh, with all these different elements. And just you just, you know, you have to catch your breath and think, look at it and go, what the, what, what am I reading? <laughs> exactly. Well, that was Action Comics number 14. Then uh, we move into the uh, Hell on Earth story, which started with Superboy number 14, which was a bit weird because Superboy number 14 starts off by uh, kind of tail-ending the story of that, you know, where Superboy appeared in the Ravages and in a um, Legion Lost uh, issue that all came out in the same week, November 14th. And uh, then moved into you know him trying to just have a regular day, a regular time out in the city, with uh, Bunker, or whatever his name is, the Teen Titan, and uh, then Hell, this guy from Krypton, or we assume he's from Krypton at this point in time, um, noticed Super- Superboy is a clone, realizes he's a clone of not just Kryptonian um, DNA but also human DNA combined with Kryptonian DNA and doesn't really know what to do with him, but fights him and really nearly pulls him apart atom by atom at, at one point. And then the Teen Titans come in to try to help Superboy, and uh, it was just a bit of all over the place. Well, I thought the page where um, where L or L or Hell or whatever you want to call him uh, was uh, using his power to kind of break him apart uh, molecule by molecule was a really uh, just a striking uh, mm. piece of artwork. I really liked the way it uh, it looked. Uh, that splash page was was really incredible. But uh, the weird thing about the art in this book is uh, it's oftentimes it looks like everybody's made of stone or rock. Uh, it's it's an odd kind of look. I'm I'm not. I'm not really sure why they look like that, but uh, and then <laughs> there's a page where uh, where Khan, I think it's page eight, his face is like distorted in a very strange way, as is like sideways eyes way up here and his other eyes down here, and it's one some really tiny and small, and the other one's just giant eye. It looks like it looks like Plastic Man, or that he's <laughs> you know stretched his face in a weird way. But uh, uh, I also like the little uh, it had a little inside joke in there about. Uh, Somebody's got their their red panties in a, in a, in a twist <laughs> or something, and uh, he started to argue that he doesn't wear them. But then he just moved on, and uh, that's a nice little uh, little nod to the people who get it. I think. Yeah, definitely. But uh, Superboy, as the start of Hell on Earth, was uh, interesting, but not necessarily you know uh, massive. You know, didn't grab you with uh, with both hands. But uh, we moved then into Supergirl number fourteen. Uh, which again is a hell on earth story, and um, you know this character Hell approaches Supergirl and um, you know tells her about you know everything and anything that she wants to know and kind of tries to win win her favor and tries to you know separately to what he did with Superboy where he just pelt, belted the crap out of him. Mm. Uh, here he's actually trying to win Supergirl over with reason. 
seems like a very different different character in this uh, story mm. where he's uh talking to her and um you know he kind of brings superboy to her as a as a prize almost like yeah. almost like your cat goes out and uh kills a bird or a mouse and you know leaves it at your feet to uh to impress you <clears throat> almost uh seems like he's doing that kind of thing with superboy here and he's uh, here you know just you know <laughs> throwing him at her and saying this is my proof that that I'm with you and, and I, that I'm here to protect uh, the, the L family line and, and, and Krypton in general. And uh, it's, it's very interesting that he's going after her, um, her emotional connection to a planet that she still doesn't want to believe is gone and, and a world and a life and, and uh, her ability to get back there, which would be something based on how we understand this character in this reboot and, and how she's, she's been thus far would be something that would really appeal to her because mm. uh, she, 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 she just can't believe that her world would be gone and, and uh, doesn't like where she is now and wouldn't really want to continue to be a part of, of, uh, of Earth. So I think that being a manipulator, which seems that hell might be, as well as someone who who obviously can throw down with the best of them, um, that was probably his best t- way to go at her because yeah. he is, is able to read, seemingly read thoughts and kind of, if he's been watching them for some time, knows how she feels and knows what would pull at her the best. I, I love the uh, cover, Asrar, uh, the, 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 the the uh, the cover I think it's uh it's one of those you know we talk about covers that that pull you in and make you want to read the book I think mm-hmm. if you know these characters or you have any interest in who they are I think seeing a cover like that is is a type of cover that would make you want to pick up the book and I think that that's what they're supposed to try to go for there's also several splash pages in the book that just look great and uh, the weird thing is uh, uh, sometimes this hell character has a backwards S kind of uh, fused onto his chest and then in other shots he doesn't have mm. it and I don't I don't know that that's a mistake uh it seems like it is because um uh, I can't see any reason why it would appear and disappear although he is capable of being invisible and teleporting and doing all kinds of different things although I'm not sure what the significance would be of having it on this panel but then not on the next panel yeah, and then agreed. on this page but then not on the next page so that was kind of uh strange and uh, I also I I think that there's a there's a significance to the plot line that he shows Supergirl where, uh, you know, apparently in the Middle East, it looks like uh, there's a boy, you know, people killing each other with mm-hmm. guns on the street. And there's a little boy hiding and crying. And, and Hell says, you know, is this the type of people that really needs our saving that we really need to save? Are they deserving of our rescuing them? And at the same time, you're being shown this little boy who is innocent and, and and doesn't have an involvement in the guns and isn't out there killing who does in fact need their he's saving saying. and is deserving of their saving and he does save him hmm. but at the same time he's saying you know why are we saving a people like this um but uh i i thought that that was interesting because obviously we can all say that the human race is is full of frailties and and full of um you know, morality issues and, and bad people and bad things and evil. And, but also there's the other side to that where there are, there are many, many people. And I like to think the majority of people that are good people and that would help each other and that are not looking to go out there killing each other. And I think that whoever this person is, again, as I said before, a manipulator, um, he doesn't quite understand that. And it isn't even necessarily that he wants to, he, he may be lying completely and, and I'm sure he has other motives. Yeah, and two points out of this comic that I thought were interesting were 
the fact that in the beginning, obviously, Superman's heavily involved and Supergirl finds out from her sanctuary that, yes, he is Kal-El, he is her uh, younger cousin, and so that's confirmed for her, where obviously in previous issues she still doubted that. And the second thing is that at the end of the comic, Hell actually gives her the power to understand English. So from uh, this point onwards, she doesn't have that language barrier. Yeah, I wonder if that will continue or if that'll just be something that is there while Hell is present. Mm. And then maybe it'll be ripped from her and she'll be uh, all the more upset by something else now because now she has it and then suddenly she doesn't. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. I, I, I think that I enjoyed this issue of Supergirl probably more than any I have since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there seems to be some development here. Uh, we seem to see, even if I disagree with her, we seem to see more of that. She kind of has a disdain for Superman, even though, mm. even here, where she is convinced now that he really is who he says he is, she still keeps saying things like, you know, uh, how do you pronounce uh, the Banshee's name? You, you, I still, Siobhan, I still said it wrong on, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it was Great Scott or somewhere I was talking about it. and uh, But she, you know, when she mentions that Siobhan can can uh, speak Kryptonian with a better Kryptonian accent than yeah. what Kal-El has. It's like she's like just just disgusted by even hearing him speak in Kryptonian, and she mentions it in, in multiple occasions. Well, uh, Hell himself points out the fact that Superman has, you know, grown up on Earth and forgotten himself, I think was the word, the phrase that he used, that, uh, you know, he's grown up on Earth, and while he is her cousin... He's not necessarily uh, doesn't necessarily have Krypton's, uh, you know, interest at heart. That he's more of an Earthling uh, in uh, in his attitude, which is expected, I would think. Now, if you're a crazed lunatic, who Hell might certainly end up being, or if you have your own agenda and you're just trying to manipulate this girl, you would say whatever you would need to say in order to get her to follow you. And you already know that she has a hard time accepting uh, Superman already. So if you can lead her down that path again and kind of uh, turn her against him even more, if that's what he's going for, um, why wouldn't you do that if you're a manipulator? And I think that that's what he was trying to do because... I think that even though it's fiction and even though we all know that Superman's not real and and we don't know exactly what it would be, I think that we all have said on previous occasions that if someone was raised on Earth, grew up on Earth, was never a part of the culture that he supposedly came from, he would not necessarily exhibit those traits that are culturally significant to someone who did grow up in that area. In Mm -hmm. fact, he would more likely... Uh, exhibit the, the exact traits that he would exhibit uh, being raised on a farm or being raised in a big city wherever he was raised is what is the attitude that you would get you can liken this to obviously we've never seen an alien from another planet grow up but you can liken this to someone who perhaps um, had southern parents who died in an accident and had to come to the city very young uh, and live in the city that he wouldn't grow up with a twang and he wouldn't grow up with mm. You know um, the 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 knowledge of how to raise cows and and yeah. uh, pigs and and run a farm and uh, I think that it's completely natural and understandable. Though a character such as Hell or someone trying to manipulate a girl who already kind of has a disdain for the character Superman uh, might not care about you know uh, yeah, logic we'll, and, we'll and you know that. you know the idea that uh, of course a person wouldn't uh, who who never grew up there and never even lived there, wouldn't have the traits of... He actually didn't forget himself, as Hell seems to say he does. He just never 
had that part of himself to begin with because exactly. he wasn't wasn't there. Now, uh, Superman number fourteen will be the next chapter of the Hell on Earth um, story, and that's out November twenty eighth, which uh, is uh, just around the time we're releasing this. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that final scene in Supergirl plays out uh, with uh, Clark and Lois in the room and Supergirl uh, barging in on them. Um, that was great. That was a big deal. Almost giving away his secret identity, I guess. But uh, that was cool. we'll wait and see what happens in Superman number 14. But uh, we did see Justice League number 14, which was very Superman-centric in that Superman is suffering or being taken over by this cheetah um, you know, curse, I think you'd call it, and is uh, you know a, a wild beast uh that uh, is, you know, uh, beating up on his fellow Justice League members. Well, don't worry. I have every I have every confidence that uh, Batman will come in at some <laughs> point and put into everything and uh, just stop everybody from fighting and uh, tearing the curse around and, uh, you know, slap Superman into his place. Well, actually, in this uh, issue, uh, Aquaman is the person who, who captures Cheetah with the help of Wonder Woman, of course, but because she's thrown into water, that's Aquaman's element. And... Um, uh, you know, Superman is returned to normal, and there was a very touching scene at the end of this Justice League book, uh, with Superman taking Wonder Woman to Smallville, where they sit in the diner and have lunch, and he shows her why he does what he does, why he is Superman, because these people, people like, uh, you know, residents of Smallville, are the reason why he he protects uh, the people of Earth and and the people like them. And, um, you know, it's a really touching moment that really gives you an insight into Superman's personality. And, um, you know, the romance between Wonder Woman and Superman is, uh, is you know, kicked up a gear as well. It's blossoming. Yes. Ah, oh, young love. But uh, it's definitely a well worth uh, a read, Justice League number 14. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, give it a read uh, for the Superman elements, if nothing else. Okay, um, but if you are, are reading comic books and uh, you're interested in going digital, uh, DC Comics this month, real, or this past month, uh, announced that the, all their comic books, their weekly, monthly comic books, are now available in all major ebook stores. So while they're obviously available through the uh, Comicsology app and Apple and DC app for the Apple iPhone, iPod, iPad. Uh, they're now available in, for the Kindle, for the In the Nook store, and uh, whatever the other one is. I'll find it. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that this is uh, just like with the launch of the New 52, they were trying to, to interest new customers and maybe bring back old readers. I think um, uh, being in the future as we are, that, uh, you know, having these books available um, digitally through as many outlets as possible to kind of get into people's hands figuratively um, is a great a great thing and a great diversity option that, that makes it so that it's much easier for people to get into comics and to continue reading them. Yeah, and the other one was the iBook store, which is the iBook is an app on the on the Apple uh, devices. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested in comics and you really don't have uh, access to a comic book store and uh, you're interested in having a look, there's no reason why you can't anymore. If you've got a Kindle, like a, the Kindle Fire, or you know you've got one of the other, you know, the Barnes and Noble Nook, uh, and you want to have a look uh, at comic books, then definitely check out uh, one of those uh, electronic uh, ebook stores and. Uh, Download your uh, Superman comic books now. Absolutely. I'm doing it as we speak. 
Very good. Now, uh, you uh, poked a bit of fun at the fingerboards that were released for Young Justice, uh, the Happy Meals at McDonald's. Uh, they've now ended uh, that, uh, that promotion. It finished on November, November 20th. Uh, but you obviously got your Superman fingerboard uh, from your Happy Meal purchase. I did. I got it. I actually got it from a friend of mine. I was going to go there and uh, and purchase them. Someone had uh, posted on Facebook that they were able to go in and just buy them for seventy five cents yes. without buying the Happy Meal. Um, but uh, I I kind of kept forgetting about it. I never went in to get it. And then one day, this guy that I I know, you know, he's not. I'm not super close to him, but uh, he brought it in for me. He knows cool. that uh, I'm a big comic book fan. He knows I'm a Superman fan, and he said he got two of them uh, with me and mine. So I thought that was cool, even though I I, I did. You know, uh, think it was kind of silly that uh, they were featuring fingerboards uh, for these superheroes. Um, it's neat. It's very, you know, the art's great. I love the way Superman looks in that series, and um, mm. I'd love to see an animated Superman show with that kind of uh, animation. So having that with uh, that picture on there is, is cool. I find it an odd, again, an odd uh, marketing uh, uh, bit. Yeah, the timing uh, was where- off. You know, it's yeah, it's just strange. The show's not on. No one knows where it is. No one knows what's going on with it. Who watches it? Do kids even care? And then in the Happy Meals, they have these boards uh, with like Young Justice people on them. It's uh, it's confounding, really. Yes, and uh, fingerboards really. It's a very odd choice of of yeah. item for uh, Young Justice characters. But uh, let us know if you collected them all. Uh, we'd be keen to see which one you thought was was the best out of them. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that promotion is now concluded as of November twentieth at McDonald's. Um, hopefully, we have some more DC toys uh, from some fast food restaurants in the not too distant future. I'm guessing it's I'll concluded. But if you get in your personal TARDIS and you just fly on back there, you can go before November twentieth. Open your little phone booth and go out and just buy as many as many of them as you want. We all know that that's a viable option of travel. You know, I was talking about my private jet or my little ski do, but uh, uh, it's probably easier to just go ahead and jump into your phone booth and you know. yeah, or jump on a fingerboard. Well, of course, <laughs> who wouldn't do that, really? Now, uh, before we move into our big question segment of the month, there are a few notes I wanted to uh, notices I wanted to bring to everyone's attention. The Shield Awards, our annual uh, Superman homepage indicators of excellence in literature and design, uh, our awards for the Superman comic books, the uh, you know products, merchandise, TV shows, the whole world of Superman uh, is included in these awards. The vo- voting ends uh, at uh, just before midnight on December third, so you've only got a few days left to get your uh, your votes in uh, for the Shield Awards, and we will be announcing them on December 4th and uh, it's our 12th annual Shield Awards so they've been going for quite a, quite a while now uh, so it's well worth getting involved. That's right. One minute before you rush out and get your Dark Knight Rises DVD and uh, uh, you make sure you you know get in there and vote because I know you're going to have to run out the door right at midnight to, to grab that DVD so get it done before <laughs> you do that. Uh, <laughs> something else you can also get involved is in is our 2012 Superman homepage survey uh, it's still uh, available to, uh, you know, have your say, what you like, what you dislike, what you think we're doing well, what you think we, where we, you think we can improve. Uh, there's a whole range of uh, multiple choice questions there in our 2012 survey. 
and the results will be coming in the next uh, week as well. So, uh, as well as a new Superman homepage theme, a new design for the website, something to look forward to there, and we'll have the results of the survey and uh, make some uh, changes based on some of the suggestions you make in that survey. Happy birthday, Noel. Happy birthday, Noel. Happy birthday, First Lady of Metropolis, who is so gracious to fans and shows up every year whenever she can in Illinois. Happy birthday, Noel. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm hope she, I hope she's listening. Noel Neal, the First Lady of Metropolis, uh, the original Lois Lane. Celebrates her or celebrated her 92nd birthday uh, at the end of November, and uh, she's a great friend to the Superman homepage, great friend to myself and Scotty. We've both met her in person, and she's just a gracious lady and a wonderful person. And uh, we just wish her all the best and uh, continued health uh, as she's uh, in into her 90s. Well, that's that's incredible, really. And uh, happy birthday, seriously. Uh, I'm sure she's listening right now as we speak, and she's just tearing up welling up with joy at, at my little musical rendition uh as as so many internet radios are turning off as i sing you know with their ears bleeding i'm sure that uh, noel is just uh, loving every minute of it well i won't uh indulge them any further but uh i want to wish you scotty a happy birthday for november 30th uh, oh. uh yes it wasn't in there on your notes but i added that in there for myself to make a a mention of your birthday coming up and uh, wishing you all the best with uh, many happy returns for your special day. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Dare I ask how old you are? Oh, I'm the ripe old age of 38, sir. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, got any plans? Anything special? Oh, the family. Uh, my parents are going to come over. Uh, my mom's making dinner and she's going to bring it here. We're going to eat and uh, hang out and have some brownies and uh, then over the weekend, I'm getting together with some friends. We're going to go to uh, Outback Steakhouse and enjoy some food. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's going to be good, too. Very good. Well, as I said, happy birthday, Scotty, as we move into the big question segment of the show. Let's start with the big question. Very good. Last month's question was, what job should Clark Kent take on now that he's quit the Daily Planet? Our first response from Anthony Arfuso was, Hi guys, I honestly believe that Clark should work for an actual nonprofit goodwill association, whether they have him operate in a soup kitchen, feeding those down on their luck, or going out there on the streets handing out food, water, and blankets to the homeless, helping addicts get off their addictions, those being abused, or maybe lending an ear for the poor souls just in need of a kind heart to talk to. I'm sure he could balance doing this as well as operate as Superman. Yeah. I don't mind that idea, but I think it's very similar to what he already does as Superman, helping people. I think, um, you know, he, he might need a break from, from that kind of stuff and, and, you know, have something else to focus on. I think the idea with him being a reporter, at least initially, was that, that he would get noticed when something bad was happening, mm -hmm. that he could then become Superman and, and, and go and do it. But yeah. uh, you're right. If he was already involved with the bad things that were happening by helping people as Clark Kent, he'd always be there anyway. So it is very similar. Yep. Now, Hector writes, I think Clark's new job should be a doctor. He can use his X-ray vision to help people with broken bones and with his strength pop the bones back in place. I don't think you pop bones back in place when they're broken. That's usually for a dislocation. But um, we did see him do uh, operate on Lois Lane in a few issues. 
Well, that, uh, you know, and I mentioned it at that time, too. You know, the, the fact that he did that for that one instance kind of makes you raise an eyebrow to the fact that he's not out there doing that more often for mm-hmm. more people because mm-hmm. there are an awful lot of people who are injured in that kind of way that die who because doctors can't save them. But if Superman has that ability, it seems like he's – uh, kind of neglecting the use of it, and also uh, we were talking about the Earth One books. In that, he uh, they've they've kind of made him ultra intelligent, which he has been at other times as well. Mm-hmm. And he has so many abilities based on his intelligence and the way he could break down formulas and cure diseases and things. That that's another thing in that story where it seems like that is being neglected uh, in lieu of going out and battling a monster on the street. Yeah. George Amaro wrote, I think we'll see Clark try a number of different options, including blogging, but also spending much more time as Superman, especially with the Hell on Earth crossover coming. I think ultimately he'll use his powers and other resources at his disposal to expose Morgan Edge to the public as the villain that he is and return to the planet after Edge has been ousted. Yeah, nice uh, thoughts there, George. Well, uh, well constructed story timeline of what events do you think might take place? Um, Ed Cionti wrote, Hi, Stephen. Scotty, I haven't been able to get to the comic store as much as I'd like, but I still try to keep up with what's going on with Superman. As for Clark, the best thing that I can think of right now is to get a job as an undercover cop with Inspector Henderson. What do you think? I respect both of you. Well, what do you think? I respect both of you and would really like to know. That cop is an interesting idea. Yeah, I've thought about that before, you know, uh, and he, he tried a, a little fireman uh, action in the New 52 for a while when he was... Um, undercover as a new character when mm-hmm. Clark Kent was supposedly dead and yep. that type of thing, that type of civil servant where he's continuing to help people again, similar to uh, what he does as Superman already, but uh, if you're an undercover cop, again, you, you have access to some of the crimes that are going down, so that might help him in his ultra ego as well. Yeah. And uh, he kind of had that kind of a role in the George Reeves Adventures of Superman series where, as a reporter he was more of an investigator I mean, he was an investigative reporter and would help uh, Inspector Henderson quite a bit, um, you know, on uh, on certain stories. That's true. Billy Hogan wrote, while I'm not reading the Supergirl title for budgetary reasons, I wanted to respond to your question about Supergirl and the Fortress of Solitude in older DC comics. On my podcast, I'm covering the early Supergirl stories in the back of Action Comics, and in a recent story, Superman created a separate wing in his Arctic Fortress for his super cousin. I'm not familiar with a lot of Supergirl stories, so I don't know if she had one on her own later in the Silver or Bronze Age. hope this at least partially answers your question. I enjoy the podcast, as always. Yeah, well, thanks, Billy. We did ask that question about whether or not Supergirl had a Fortress of Solitude, and uh, it's uh, interesting to hear from Billy, who does that uh, Supergirl, uh, covering those stories in his in his uh, own uh, podcast, that uh, she did have a separate wing in the uh, Fortress of Solitude. So uh, thank you, Billy, for answering that question. Back on to our topic about Clark Kent's jobs. Uh, Arnie H. wrote, I think this new Clark Kent should get a job as an Aura, Aurora? How do you pronounce that? Um, I'm not sure. Auror? <laughs> At the Ministry of Magic. I'm sure that's from the Harry Potter. Yeah, he says, seeing as he looks like Harry Potter. Okay, I see where he's going with that. Well, I'm not loving the look of Clark in the New 52, and I miss the elderly <sighs> Mara Park Kent and all the connections to Smallville that give Superman his heart. Great show, guys. Keep up the good work. I see, Arnie H. Uh, we're getting a uh, reference to the fact that... Uh, in the very early issues of Superman uh, in the New 52, with his round glasses and the way his hair was, uh, people were saying, 
<clears throat> that he looked more like uh, Harry Potter than he did like Clark Kent, which I think has kind of gone away since then. I think they made a few adjustments, but uh, and instead of uh, actually giving us a, an answer to our question, he's uh, he's taking a jab at the uh, the Harry <laughs> Potter look of Clark in the New Fifty Two, and uh, that's nice. funny. It's funny. Nice. Well done. Uh, the new big question for next uh, time will be how and when do you listen to the Radio KAL podcast? Yeah, let us know uh, how you listen to this podcast. Do you take it with you on your iPod? Do you listen to it in your car on the way to work, on the way in the train? When and how do you listen to this podcast? Let us know. We're interested to find out uh, just how you go about listening to us uh, each month. And you can do that by clicking on the big question button found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. You could also record an audio answer if, uh, if that's something you'd like to do and send that in as an MP3 file. We didn't get any this month, but we look forward to your responses to this new big question. I typically listen to it when you and I are recording it late at night, <laughs> generally a Monday at the end of the month. That's when I listen, but uh, you know, let us know how you do. And now it's super secret soundbite time. Only one thing alive with less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman. And that's you. Well, uh, last month's sound came from the Supergirl movie with Helen Slater. And ten people guessed it correctly. And they were Anthony Arfuso, George Amaru, David Riley, Matt Apps, Fred Walsh, Brendan Savinsky, Dan Bogdoyan, Argent L, Chris Hewitt, and Stephen R.J. Vaughan. Hey. Yes, congratulations to those 10 people. Let's see if they and more can guess where in the world of Superman this new soundbite comes from. Say, Lois, do you have my press pass? What makes you think I've got it? Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KAL podcast. The Superman song is Superman Theme by the Wonderland Band from their 1979 album entitled Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's a, it's a disco tune. Uh, not many lyrics in here, but, uh, well, get your dancing shoes out and bop along to the Superman Theme by the Wonderland Band.
Well, there you have it. Did you have your uh, disco ball there in the room spinning around? Scott? Oh, yes. Yes, I did. And I was dancing. I had my shiny white shoes on and I was, I was cutting a rug. <laughs> Brilliant. I wish I could have seen it. It was good times. Good times. Well, uh, that's our show for another month. Uh, remember, if there's a song that you would this like to suggest. show flew by. It Sorry. did. It flew by, literally, and pun intended. Uh, but if you do have a song suggestion you'd like to uh, send to us, you can do that. Uh, you can also suggest a big question for us. Maybe there's a topic you think Scotty and I should be discussing. Uh, all those suggestions can be sent to us via the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage. Alternatively, you could email us. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com or if you prefer to talk to Scotty, his is scotty at supermanhomepage.com and we will try to use those suggestions in a future podcast, as I said. But for now, that's our show. Happy birthday, Scotty. Thank you, sir. Remember, everybody, go out and see The Hobbit on December 14th so you can see the new Superman trailer. You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com.